Today's guest yeah. is Deborah Christie Love. Deborah is a near-death experiencer, certified hypnotist, regressionist, quantum touch practitioner, and Reiki master teacher. She is also the author of the book, There is Love, My Near-Death Experience and Beyond. Deborah, thank you very much for giving me some of your time this evening, and welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, you're very welcome. All right, Deborah, my audience loves near-death experience mm -hmm. stories. So can we please start on the day of your okay. near-death experience? Sure. Yeah, I was very young. I was, it was coming up around my birthday, I believe, and I was just about four mm -hmm. years old. And um, I went to get my tonsils out at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is back in the day when they used ether. <laughs> I'm Eat dating that. myself here. <laughs> wow. And um, yeah, so or chloroform or whatever they put on on a on a cloth and held it over my face. Mm. So you know, I I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what to expect. Um, but I did. I remember physically getting handed over from my father's arms to the doctor who took me into the OR, and there were other people waiting for me. And he said to me. He was very nice at first. And then he said to me, well, looks like your nose is a bit runny. I'm going to get a handkerchief for you. And then he held me in one arm and he's putting this stuff on, on the uh, cloth. And the next thing I know, he's suffocating me. He's holding it over my face. I couldn't breathe. And he's pushing harder and harder. And I started kicking and yelling, trying to get away. And of course, that just made it worse. So next thing I know, he put me on the table, pushing me down harder and I couldn't breathe and I thought he was killing me because I didn't know any better yeah. I thought you know he's just killing me he's I can't breathe and, and I was thinking all kinds of things like why did my parents bring me here for um so next thing I know I I started seeing colors they almost look like fireworks um <clears throat> where I was seeing like bursts of like green and red and yellow and I remember that kind of stopped me kicking and then I looked at that and then of course I was unconscious and after that the next thing I know I'm in this huge white tunnel and mm. the light was intense but the most amazing thing was that I wanted to go there to the end of this light into this light more than anything I could ever imagine and I realized that the more I felt I wanted to get there the faster it seemed like I was going towards mm. it <clears throat> so, you know, that went on for what seemed like a minute or two. And, you know, then I kind of landed there in this brilliant light. And the most amazing feeling was this just total love. You know, there was total love, total acceptance. And the love was amazing that, you know, I remember thinking that it didn't matter what you've done or what, who you were or, or what any thing you, you could imagine had happened beforehand it didn't matter because you would be loved all the same it didn't there was just this unconditional love and it was a feeling of home I did not want to leave that and I knew this is where I belonged you know who wants to get out of that energy mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and the next thing I know there was um, felt energy hitting me like it was all like parts of me coming into me and I was getting flashes of memories and feelings and places and people 
And it was confusing because it was happening very quickly. Like they were like past lives and it was like one after the other, after the other. And at one point I I remember asking in my head, who am I? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the answer came very loud and clear to me. You are all of them. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, well, that guess that makes sense. And from there on, every single thing that I asked or questioned in my mind, the answer was there before I could even finish or complete the question in my mind. At that time, and I know it's a long time ago, but do you think that you realized you were outside of your body or do you think you were just dreaming or did you just have no idea what's going on? <laughs> I really didn't, you know, I felt like me, I felt like I was still myself, but um, I didn't really think about being dead at that moment. It was just a really wonderful experience. And I loved it here. And I didn't want this feeling to ever go away. It was so amazing. And it felt like home. So but the other unique thing was that I didn't really remember my 3d life here at that time, either. It seemed like that was unimportant that wasn't really with me at that moment but I was still me and I really didn't know or have memory of the other side either so I was kind of in this state of just being and just being here now and there was nothing else Mm -hmm. at that time except just existing in this beautiful space when you were there and you were getting bombarded by images of your past life were you like in a white space, kind of like a cloud. And then would you see them like as just bubbles or like little books of, or how did you see that coming at you? If you can remember. Yeah, I was in a space that just felt like I was in a big room of white light and the flashes were almost like they were, I don't know if they were really in front of me or they were just memory, but they were like, I could see them and feel them like, kind of like I was there Mm -hmm. in those lives. But they were quick flashes, you know, and then it would be one after the other after the other. And so it got confusing feeling and being like all of these different um, beings here mm-hmm. for lifetimes. And that's why I had to ask, you know, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> who are these people? Who am I? Right. And at age four, you probably don't have much of a life to review. Not much has happened in those four years. Exactly. So, so instead of popping a life review, they started exactly. popping previous lives coming up Mm -hmm. well that's true and you know people usually get asked well who did you see your relatives you know at that point I didn't know anybody that had passed yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was so young I I just had these past lives and then there were actually these beings came towards me that seemed like guides and some seemed more like angels Mm -hmm. and they they stayed with me the whole time that I was there Yeah, I was just about to ask that if you saw angels or you saw entities or beings or some people see Jesus or God, what do you think (laughs) those beings were? Well, the first acknowledgement I have to say seemed like God, but, you know, on second thought, it could be what what they called there while I was there often got called the presence and it's almost like the Holy Spirit or the presence and it's just it exists within the atmosphere and you can feel it and hear it. There's no body. There's no um, form. It's just the presence that is there of, of the all God that is. And so that was what I kind of landed into. 
And then the guides showed up and the angels, which seemed even um, just like light beings. They weren't really formed completely. Um, but yet you communicated with them telepathy in your mind. There was no actual speaking. Um, and, and they kind of weren't sure what to do with me. That was an odd experience, too. They kind of said, well, you know what should we do? And they went to said, well, we'll go find out. And they went to somebody that was supposed to know. And the answer, they came back and said, well, um, just give her a tour for now. Hmm. <laughs> so I get the feeling that I really kind of wasn't scheduled to show up. And uh -huh. I just kind of showed up there. Right. And um, so they said, well, let's give her the tour for now. And we'll let you know later. Hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I was kind of oblivious to it all. I was like, okay, whatever. I'm just mm -hmm. liking it here. Um, so I, I did see, uh, they took me to a really quiet place at first and we talked a little bit and this is where I kind of got to the questioning, you know, I could feel the difference in the energy there. And I said, you know, there isn't anything that there is there. And they said, at first, I weren't sure what I meant, and then they said, "Oh, negativity. There's, there's nothing. No, there's none of that here." And I remember thinking, oh, "That's, you know, the hugest difference, right? There's no ne negativity there." Mm -hmm. And um, then I did question them. At one point, it came to me to ask them, "You know, am I dead?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> because this place was so wonderful. I thought, "Hey, am I dead? You know, is this heaven?" Mm -hmm. And their, of course, their response is, "Well, what do you think?" Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking in my limited experience, I didn't know much of religion or God or anything, but I remember being dragged to church and did not like that much to a Catholic church. And, you know, what four-year-old likes that? And uh, I remember thinking, well, she said, well, what did you think it'd be like? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, but I didn't think heaven would be this good, you know? Mm, wow. And she said, well, what did you think it'd be like? I remember thinking in my head, well, church, you know, mm, yeah. maybe I thought it'd be like church. And then because we can read each other's thoughts, she was like, well, that wouldn't be heaven then. What if she, she could read my feelings around church. And so mm. she said, well, you know, that wouldn't be heaven, would it? And I yeah. said, no, because at that point, the whole concept of, what heaven meant mm -hmm. came to me was given to me so i said no i guess it i guess not you know because mm -hmm. church definitely didn't seem like heaven yeah <laughs> yeah i get that so when they give you the tour did you go places like did you go out in the cosmos did you tour like a garden or what did they show I you i did see a garden it was one of the first times i went um it was beautiful i saw at first this giant sunflower that was taller than I was and literally spoke to me you know it's it's like it had a face and spoke to me um in my mind I could hear you know welcome hi hello we're happy you're here kind of thing mm -hmm. and feel the energy and I remember thinking in my mind well the flowers are like really alive you know not just you know we know flowers are alive here but but they're really alive they're talking to me you know yeah. this is crazy and she said to me well you know everything is alive everything is energy and that's one thing she said you'll want to remember is that everything is energy hmm. oh wow that's interesting. That was interesting all of the plants were like that it was like everything was had consciousness that you could do 
All right. Well, then you were there. Did you, do you recall seeing anything else? I saw a beautiful waterfall. Hmm. And when this water was falling down, I saw this one droplet of water kind of jumped out from the waterfall. And I could hear the voice of the water droplet saying, you know, hello. And it was like giggly, like a child's voice almost. And Mm -hmm. then the water drop fell in into the pond. And I remember thinking, oh, but now you're gone. I felt like I lost this friend I just said hello to. Mm -hmm. And I heard the voice come out from from the water, from the pond, and said, but I'm not really gone. I'm just in with the rest. And that vision, that lesson has come back to me many times over my life and every time it it gave me a deeper meaning of unity that Mm -hmm. you know people fear that they're going to lose their consciousness if we are really all part of god you know they're afraid well then where do i go if we're everyone else and the last time that i got reminded that i was told that everything is added but nothing is lost Mm -hmm. so the all is added to you you're not like stirred in with the rest in law, but, but the all is added to you. So that mm. makes sense. And um, that image depicts it really perfectly for me. Oh, wow. That's interesting. At that point, when you're in that dimension or heaven or however you want to call it, you're not, do you feel like you're really, or were not really the mind of a four-year-old girl at that time? You were, um, you know, your mind had dropped that and you were the mind of a spiritual being that's, you know, been around for how many mm-hmm. lives? Do you feel like your thinking changed? Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I seem to be more knowledgeable, obviously, than four at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where all those lifetime energies came into me. And the essence of those lifetimes or the energy of those lifetimes kind of stuck with me, even though, you know, I wasn't remembering all the details of the stories that connected to it, but that energy became part of me. And so, Within that, all that knowledge came with it, I believe. Mm -hmm. All right. So you had your tour. What did you do next? (laughs) Um, You know, there there was a lot of different things to see. I I did see a place that was like a campus almost, like where people were doing activities, creating things. Um, There was places you could go to learn, like school. So it almost seemed like a college campus of some kind. There were beautiful buildings. Colosseums that have like wonderful pillars and, and amazing type architecture, almost look like Rome or something. Hmm. And um, so I, I did at one point see uh, someone came came to me actually and said, "There's somebody that wants to see you, um, but they'll take a f- it'll seem like a few minutes actually because they have to lower their energy or something like that." And so it did seem to take a few minutes and as she walked away I could hear her saying oh you're so lucky mm-hmm. and I remember thinking why like <laughs> I did, had no idea what this all meant and so eventually um, I saw this beautiful huge ball of golden light and this ball was started out fairly small and then got got quite big it started out about two feet and got to be about six or eight feet wide and then it came near me and landed and there was an ascended master there who I now know is Sanat Kumara. Who is that? I did not know Sanat Kumara. Sanat He's Kumara. An okay. He is known as Master Venus, so kind of a ruler of Venus. Mm. And Sanat Kumara, I did not know who he was. I did not know the name. And of course, being English and a four year old, 
he kind of I kind of thought in my head, who are you? And he was beautiful. He he was huge and beautiful. He had really, really whitish blonde hair and a tanned complexion, almost mm-hmm. like a Malibu Barbie type mm-hmm. uh stature. And he was gorgeous and he sat down on this bench and as you would see like as in pictures of jesus maybe with children coming to him he kind of picked me up and sat me on his knee but i could look into his eyes and i remember they were the bluest eyes and it almost looked like a liquid inside of his eyes and it was so blue but the energy was tremendous the energy had me in state of like I felt like I couldn't move or think or it was just so mag. It felt magnetic. It was such a strong magnetic feeling that I couldn't really do or think or it was just magnificent feeling of the strongest love I've ever felt. And I remember at that point thinking to myself in my head that if I could just stay here and feel this for eternity, that would be enough for me. Mm. And then he started to talk to me in my mind. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I can listen and feel this much love at the same time. I don't know if I can comprehend mm-hmm. and feel this at the same time. It was so overwhelming. And, um, you know, he gave me a short message, really. He, he kind of said that your mission will be successful. Um, it won't always be easy, but you'll be helped along the way. Um, and at that point, I kind of think I remembered something about, because I said to him, who are you? And when he said his name, he said, Sanat Kumara, because that meant nothing, didn't make sense to me. I've never heard that name. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of, pardon, you know, and he said it. And when he said his name, I am Sanat Kumara, it reverberated throughout the whole dimension. Like it shook almost like an earthquake when he mm. said his name and he said it three times. <laughs> And then he said, since I didn't really quite grasp even then what that name meant, he said, I'm your father, your heavenly father. And at that point, I remember thinking, but don't they have some other father somewhere? You know, it was kind of vaguely creeping in. And he said, well, for now, I'm your father here, he said to me. And, uh, yeah, it was just a beautiful experience. It didn't last that long. But he was dressed almost like a king. I remember he had like robes on and just beautiful, um, long flowing robes. And he definitely looked like a king. And I remember thinking he was the most beautiful being that I had ever seen before. And as he got up to leave me, he kind of said to me, he looked at me and he said, well, you might not remember this. He goes, you will need a trigger. And of course, I have no idea what he's talking about at this point. And he said, your children will always be looked after. And as he walked away, and I'm thinking, children? Well, I guess I'm having children someday, because you'll hear I'm four. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That means nothing to me. And so then he said, wow, I can't believe she has total amnesia. And I remember thinking, amnesia? What's that? And then he was gone. Hmm. so that that was my experience with him and that was kind of near the end of my experience there one of the latter things that happened Mm -hmm. and um also was the thing that was wiped from my memory the strongest i remembered that um at the very last thing i remembered about this experience as i was older what was that 
well, the, the memory was of meeting him. I remembered oh. everything else up oh. until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't remember that. But see, when I came back to my body as a child, I remember starting to tell, you know, I was in this other place and started to talk about it. And my mom was kind of freaking out. Well, what are you talking about? You've been here. And, you know, she didn't understand. My grandmother was interested, but she didn't really uh, get too far with me. And it seemed like the more I tried to tell her, the more I couldn't remember it. Hmm. And it just seemed to go away. And then hmm. when I was much older, getting closer to 40, I started remembering all of these things. Hmm. And um, yeah, so, but the very last thing I remembered was was the meeting with Sanat. And that was that was kind of the the final touch when I did remember it. So I didn't want to come back from this place. Um, and to the thing I realized was it had to be my decision. We got to this other beautiful place where I actually saw a road that was made of golden bricks. They were literally gold bricks. And I remember reaching down and touching one. And she said, go ahead, touch it. It's real. It's all the gold. Mm. And I thought, this is this is amazing. You know, it was beautiful. And then I looked up and in the far distance, I saw the most beautiful castle And this castle. To me, the only thing I could compare to was the Disney castle that you used to see at the beginning of the Disney movies. And it had a lot of pointy um, turrets and things on it. And it was, it looked like it was made out of gold as well. And I remember thinking, I want to go there. I want to see what this is like. And just as after I thought had that thought, they said to me, oh, but that's only for people that are going to stay here. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I remember thinking, oh, what do you mean? She says, well, it's almost time to go back. And mm-hmm. I remember just getting this dread going through me thinking, back? Like, no, I don't want to go back. And at that point, I could hear them talking among themselves. They're thinking among among themselves, saying that, well, it has to be her choice. But what they did at that point was they showed me almost like a bubble appeared. And they showed me this TV type bubble. And I looked in there and I could see my mother crying over my hospital bed. Hmm. And I'm like, but what is she crying for? I'm, you know, I'm right here. You know, I'm fine. And then they gave me her feelings. I could feel this horrible grief. Mm. And they said, but if you stay here, you will be gone from her life for the rest of her life. She'll have to live the rest of her life without you. And, and when I felt her grief, it was like, oh, I can't do that. I have to go back. I can't do that to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, here I am years later thinking, damn, they tricked me into coming back. Oh. <laughs> When I remembered it all, it was like, I don't want to come back. They tricked me. They kind of, you know, made me choose to come back, so to speak. Hmm. <laughs> um, so while you were there, back on Earth, in your mortal body, did you did you die or something? Or just a regular routine surgery? And it makes me assume that you had something happened because your mother was grieving. Well, they said that I hemorrhaged. I had a lot of bleeding and they couldn't stop this bleeding. Mm-hmm. And um, when I actually woke up from the surgery, 
my mom was crying over my hospital bed exactly like I saw her. And my first thought was kind of in my head, but I came back. Why are you crying? Mm. <laughs> um, and <laughs> she said, oh, it's okay. You're going to be okay. The weirdest thing was that I knew, of course, I'm going to be okay. I chose to come back. There's no question I'm going to be okay. And here she was all worried and, then, you know, okay. But then, then I started feeling the bleeding again in my throat and I couldn't, I started choking and I couldn't breathe. And that the medical team came in and they took my bed that had wheels and they actually ran down the hall with my bed and brought me back to the OR. And I don't, and of course put me back to sleep again to put packing in or something. And so the, but the last thing I remember is that when they started rolling me away, thinking, she's like, don't be scared. It's okay. I remember thinking, scared of what? Like, there's this place and the other place, and, and the other place was way better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I didn't understand what she was afraid of. Mm. <laughs> so after this experience happened to you, it sounded like it faded away, and you didn't remember it until you were around 40. But between that time and 40, were any other paranormal or, or spiritual things happening to you? Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, when I came back, um, my guide started talking to me soon after. Hmm. And, you know, he showed up, started talking, and I'm hearing him in my head. And he's telling me things. And, you know, I did question him at first when he first showed up because I was thinking, you know, is everything you say going the truth? Is this everything you say going to happen? And he was really happy. He was excited. Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that. You know, he was um, glad I was questioning him. Mm-hmm. So this went on and for a while, and he would tell me things that were going to happen, and I relay it sometimes to my mom or somebody, and they didn't usually like it. They didn't understand. Thought I was a little crazy. Um, and, and the one time, uh, yeah, I, I just didn't realize that this wasn't something everybody did or everybody heard or, you know, I didn't know any better. And it took quite a while to realize that, oh, this is different. Maybe this isn't good. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I told my mom something once and she got quite upset with me. She didn't like what I was telling her. Um, and then I kind of, well, let me chat and I... And I came to my guide, he's saying, no, no, it's not going to happen. And I'm telling her, and she's kind of freaking out at me, like, you know, who are you talking to? And she got really scared and mm-hmm. upset with me. And so I just started to cry because I didn't understand. I thought, to me, it felt like the most amazing, beautiful thing in the world to be able to tell her these things. But she did not react in a way that promoted it for me. She reacted like, I must be crazy or, or, you know, I'm not doing something good. Um, mm-hmm. So it kind of shut me down for quite a while. And though he never went away, he was always around me. And I would get stuff over the years, but I do remember um, thinking, well, maybe, maybe this isn't good. I, I you know, I, I just started questioning it, but I had so many things through my childhood that I just, I stopped talking about it mostly. <laughs> Yeah. Was this guy the same guy that was with you when you were there? And two, when he did come to you, would he come to you in dreams or would he come to you while you're consciously awake and you would just 
see like a being of light near you or how did that happen? I didn't actually see him. Um, I felt his energy. I felt him near me. I could tell you where he was located in the room, Mm -hmm. where I was getting the the energy from. Mm -hmm. But I think he knew that to see him would scare me. Mm. And so he didn't really show himself, but I heard him clearly. And he would come and tell me certain things to help me or um, information sometimes. I don't know if it was all him or if it, some of it was just me because it seemed like I could remember to pick up things from places or know things that I don't know how I knew. And so, yeah, it, it just happened all the time. And so I didn't know what it was or you know I was playing outside once playing with some weeds and I'm hearing clearly in my mind healing this is medicine and I'm like medicine and I kept saying really this is medicine okay this is medicine this is me-. I, mean, I just got it so many times and then finally like okay whatever this is medicine mm-hmm. <laughs> but I had no idea why I knew this or where it was coming from really mm-hmm. and um yeah so I'm sure my mom thought I was quite odd because she looked out and said, you know, why are you playing with all these weeds? And I looked up at her and said, it's medicine, mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she thought, oh, my God, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> what prompted you at age 40 to start having all these memories come back? Did you did you get hypnotized or some regression or some some did you were you in another accident or something? Um, no, but what happened was, I think I was at that point in my life where, you know, my children had gotten older and grown up and all of the amazing things that did happen in my life as I grew up and thought, you know, I had this amazing connection. I want that back. That's who I am. I need to do this. I need to regain what I had. And it, it was not as easy as it was when I was, you know, five years old to talk to my guide, but he did come. He did help me meditate. He did show me some past lives. And I started really connecting and remembering all of, all of the near death experience that I had up until um, the meeting with Sanat Kamara. And the amazing thing was that I started going to a lady that would teach psychic development class. And I joined her group. And then one day I decided to just pay her a reading. And she knew I'd had this experience. And halfway through the reading, she said to me, I'm not sure why I'm supposed to say this, but I'm supposed to tell you all, your children will always be looked after. And, oh, my God, I felt like, I, like this bolt of lightning hit me. And I was like, oh, my God. And I remember clearly. And she said, who did you meet when you had your experience? And I said, I don't know his name. She said, was it Jesus? I'm like, no, not. But it was somebody powerful, huge and powerful. And so I started doing some research, looking up some ascended man. Of course, the pictures are unmistakably. You know, this, this was Sanat Kamara. And um, he is connected with Jesus. I mean, Jesus is, is the name of, of an incarnation, a lifetime of Sananda Kumara. So Khmeras are well as the niche masters. And mm-hmm. Jesus is one of the Khmeras and Sananda was Jesus and had a few other lifetimes here. But Sananda 
and and Sanat are like family on on Venus on the other side, and they're both ascended masters. Mm. And I believe there's you know several more of them as, as well. Yeah, I've never heard of those names before, and when I first hear him, I could be totally way off base. Mm. But when I hear him name Sunat Kumara, I feel like it's like a Hindu name. But I don't think you described him as being Hindu because I thought he had blonde hair, but he did have tan yeah, skin. Yeah, he had blonde hair. He had yeah. tan skin and very light blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Now, Sananda, in in spirit, the Sananda, and, and and I've thought about this over the years. There's always this, you know, this picture Jesus is this is picture Jesus, and there's discrepancies. There's ones with lighter hair and bluer eyes. And then there's the darker hair and darker eyes. Mm-hmm. And for me, Sananda is the one with lighter, wavier hair and blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And is part of the Chimeras on Venus, is part of that family of masters. And um, the pictures of Jesus are his incarnation. That is the same being, basically, but mm-hmm. that is his lifetime here. So there is a difference in you know what you look like here and what you look like in your spiritual identity on the other side or wherever you want to. <laughs> right. It makes sense. So would you are you saying, and I'm trying to just clear this up, Sanandra was Sumat Sumat Sanat's brother? They are related some way. I'm not sure if it's brother or or exactly how they're related, but they are the same last name, Kamara. Mm-hmm. So Jesus spirit name is Sananda Kamara. Mm-hmm. That is his identity in so, spirit and Sanat Kumara seems to be like maybe an older brother, uncle, something like that. Okay. And and what you're saying is one of Sanandra's incarnations while he was here, he decided to incarnate and be Jesus, right? And so now you're saying that they are from Venus. I could see them in They're another dimension. Planet, I believe it's Venus in another dimension yeah. or something because I believe that you know there should, mm-hmm. there probably is other dimensions, and it even sounds like when you first met him, he was in a different dimension, and he had to power down his energy to be in that dimension that you were in at the time. Yes, absolutely, exactly. I was in the fifth dimension there, mm-hmm. and I believe he came down probably from probably the twelfth dimension, somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why she said it will take a few minutes. <laughs> take <laughs> it a seems few. like a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's really no time there, which is interesting, too. I, mm-hmm. I asked them about time, and they said, you know, it's God's eternal now. Mm-hmm. And even there, they can't really explain it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can travel two different time periods, I believe, from there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, it you know, it's interesting because, you know, I come back to my body and it didn't seem like, you know, maybe a couple hours had passed. You know, I had surgery, but it seemed like I'd been there for, you know, at least a day or two. You know, it mm. seemed like I'd been there quite a while. Right. Did you ask any other questions while you were there that you can remember? The interesting thing, like I said, was I didn't remember. They kind of allow me my memories of having been there before. Mm -hmm. which I believe was to prevent me from really wanting to stay there. Mm -hmm. I did meet someone before I left, which was interesting when I, when they told me it was time, almost time to go back and I was dreading it. 
somebody came by and said, you know, she got permission to visit me. And this person, I remember, was bubbly and, and beautiful light. And she came to me and started talking. And she said to me that, you know, I'm I'm supposed to meet you in your lifetime, but not until you're older. Wow. And I'm so I'm going to be coming to Earth, too. And I'm going to meet you sometime. And she told me she was my sister, which I guess meant my sister in, in, in some other dimension. And, um, and so I'm going to see you. And I remember getting, feeling like, but you're so lucky because, you know, I have to go back and you get to stay here. Mm-hmm. And she said, yes, you know, I'm going to be coming there too eventually. So mm. That was interesting. And I did meet her. Oh, I did wow. meet her eventually. Who was she here? Mm-hmm. She became a friend I met online mm-hmm. and she kind of knew the story that we were sisters and she was kind of looking for me and was guided to me um, on a, on a light worker site several mm-hmm. years ago. And we did talk and connect and actually met in person a few times. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember telling her about this near death experience and telling her our meeting and she pretty much could remember and relate to it all as well. So it was very interesting. Oh, she oh. knew we were sisters and she was supposed to meet me here. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. When did you start becoming a hypnotist, a regressionist, a quantum touch practitioner? You're kind of like an energy healer. Did that come after you were 40, after you started recalling all this? Or were you doing that before then? Well, I was really about, I started around 37. I started meditating. I started having the memories. It probably took a year and a half to remember everything. Mm-hmm. And my guide worked with me in various ways to remember a couple of past lives, especially one memory where um, it involved the husband I had at the time, one of my, my daughter, and um, and my guide, Many Feathers. He was the one that came to me when I was young, and he was in that past life that he was showing me. Um so he helped me remember that. And the interesting way he helped me remember it was that I started painting uh, pictures, scenery, um, nature, that kind of stuff. And I was looking through pictures one day online and I saw this picture of a horse running on a beach and it was a white horse. Mm-hmm. And I just knew I have to paint this picture. And I don't know why, but I have to paint it. So I started working on it. I painted it. And the whole time I'm painting it, I'm thinking, colors are dull in this why am I painting this I've never done a horse before and why am I doing this dull painting and you know I kept getting look at the eyes look at the eyes on this horse and as I kept looking what do I see and I said I see fear on this horse the horse is like has run to the water's edge and then it seems like it's jumping up because it's afraid you know this is what is this stuff water here and I said I see this fear And what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. But it just kept going in this loop. So by the time I finished that painting, I was meditating. I got shown my past native life where Many Feathers, who's my guide, Chief Many Feathers was my guide um, in that, and he was in that lifetime. And he was showing me that life and he showed me two children. And I thought, well, one child is native and the other is a white child. And I thought, why, how does this white child living with us and how did he get here so then i saw a wagon train getting um attacked by natives and they killed pretty much everyone and he stopped them they were trying to get more ammunition or something he stopped them and the only one left was 
this little boy. And they brought this child back to live with us in the village. And I remember being really upset. They brought him back and a lot of the women were upset. You know, he doesn't belong here. He shouldn't be here. This shouldn't have happened. And he ended up living with us. And, and I raised him. We raised him as like one of our own children. And so when I saw him and I asked how he got here, I was shown that, that image. And I said, what's his name? And I heard Pale Horse. And I thought, oh, hmm. the painting. Oh, my God, the painting. That's why I painted that horse on the beach with the fear. <laughs> and they called him Pale Horse because he was white and because he had this fear, of course, fear of us, obviously, because hmm. of what he'd been through. So. Wow. And the other thing was he was my husband in, at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so and then that oh so he was also, also and that's interesting so that was your husband too did your mm-hmm. husband recall mm-hmm. that no no he no. didn't i told him about it but uh-huh. he didn't recall no it sounded like that you had some regressions later in life of past life did you ever see any of the lives that flashed before you when you were a child did you ever get those again later and said oh yeah i remember seeing that when i was four you know i i don't know for sure i mean there were hundreds of them and Mm -hmm. i don't know the ones i've seen in this lifetime were really to help me work something out in this Mm -hmm. lifetime Mm -hmm. they were shown to me with a purpose that they relate somehow with relationships or situations i'm in in this lifetime Mm -hmm. or still working on Mm -hmm. and you know, all of those ones couldn't qualify for that. A lot of them were probably just, you know, I, I completed what I needed to complete. Mm-hmm. So I don't really remember them. I just remember the flashing and wondering who I was and knowing that they were all me uh, different in different times and places. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what inspired you to write your book? After everything came out, um, you know, there was just so much going on in my life. And I got to a point where my marriage was changing. I felt it on a deep level and I did not understand why I did not understand it. And then uh, I met someone else and, you know, knew that eventually I had to leave, but still was, there was something so much deeper. And so all of the things I've remembered from the past lives, and actually I started remembering before I came to this life, I started remembering life between lives before planning to come to this life Um, and I remember being on the other side before this lifetime and somebody said oh recruits are coming they want old souls to go back to earth and Mm -hmm. I remember hearing that and thinking where can I hide because I'm not sure I wanted to go back not earth again please Um, so I have that memory and I have memories of planning this lifetime i was in a viewing room being shown a lot of things that were going to happen in this lifetime i was with my first husband in that room we planned a lot of things together we were together over 30 years and then at the last minute they said well you know there's this karma that you could correct if you want to and for this very ancient past life where um i wanted to be with someone I, you know, it was almost like caveman days. It was so ancient. Mm. And I had no say in, in what happened. I was a, a female, had no say in it. And they had to battle, about, you know, whoever won, won me, I guess, so to speak. 
And so the one I wanted to be with got cast out and I had to be with my husband that was my first husband in this life. Mm-hmm. And he basically didn't, I didn't have the chance to have any say in it. And I had to be with him. That was just how it was. But eventually I got over that and forgave him and life went on. You know, we had a good life actually in that life and I forgave him, but they showed him that and how I felt at the time at first, you know, here you cast this guy out, you want to be with none, she had to be with you. Um, so he said, they said, well, if you choose, you can take karma for that and leave you after 30 years and go be with him. And she can have her chance to be with him. And, but I, I remember thinking, why would you choose that? You know, please don't choose that after 30 years. That's going to be hard. That's crazy. And, Basically, in the end, he thought it over, and you know what he said? He said that, well, I think that would be a challenge. I think I'll accept that. That was in the viewing room, planning this lifetime, and he chose that, you know, before we ever came here. Mm. And, of course, we get here and we forget all of that. We forget all those choices we pre determined before we came here, except on a very deep subconscious level. And we do have access to that if we can meditate and, and stay in touch with our feelings and our heart and our higher self. Um, but yeah, it, it was on a very deep level. And even in the midst of going through this breakup, I remember thinking he was angry at me, blaming it all on me. And we had an argument once and I said, you know, I don't know how I know this, but I said this, this is before I remembered that memory of the, of that room. And I said, I know that this was your choice on some level you chose it's not me it's not my choice Mm -hmm. and so even though it looked like it was all my choice here um and then he he said to me these words which i'll never forget he said but you know what it would have been easier if you just died than than leave me for someone else and i remember going wow but that that was part of the thing too and on a subconscious level somewhere he knew that Hmm. If I and I knew it, I felt it beyond anything that if I stayed, I was going to die. I could feel it. Hmm. It was an energy. It was real. And even though I hadn't completely remembered the viewing room at that point, I could feel that energy. And when he said that, it was like, yeah, I feel like I will die if I stay. I will just be. I will have no growth in my life, and my soul will say that you're done now. Hmm. So I wow. had to leave. Um, two questions. One is, it appears that your that husband, your I guess you would say your first husband keeps you guys have been together many times over lifetimes. Is that true? And second of all, mm-hmm. um, during this lifetime, did he ever get regressed or anything and know any of this stuff or in between lives and the past lives and knowing you together, did he ever know any of that stuff or would he just say, you're making up some crazy stuff or something? Well, he, he did believe a lot of the things I told him. It wasn't like he was a non-believer. He Mm -hmm. didn't experience a lot of it. Mm -hmm. I don't think I regressed him. Um, I did have my training before that so i just think sometimes family is not the best people to to work with yeah um it's better to do it with with more strangers um 
but I have done a lot of friends, etc., and people that I do know. I just don't think he was ready for it. So I don't know if he has ever since that. But, you know, everything just fell into place for me knowing about these past lives and Mm -hmm. why my life was going the way it was going Mm -hmm. made it make sense for me. When did you publish your book? Um, It came out about two years ago, in November. Okay, great. And um, do you connect with the public? Like, do you have a Facebook page or um, a website where if people wanted to talk to you about your book, is that available? Or are you more of a private person? Yeah. No, we have a Facebook page um, called Mystic Muse. And that's actually a store that we have here. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you can contact me through there. Our website is mysticmuseonline.com. Mm-hmm. That's Mystic Muse. And, you know, there's link. Yeah, mysticmuseonline.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all of the links for the books. And um, I have a blog. I think the link for my blog is there as well. Hmm. All right. Do you have any other projects that you're working on right now that you want people to work, to know about? Like, are you working on a second book or are you teaching or anything else? Well, I'd like to start doing more things. Um, right now I'm going, I'm working with immigration, so I'm not, I'm literally not working here. Mm-hmm. So I have been doing projects. Um, um, we've, we've been doing a live hour show every Friday from the Six News. We just go live from our from our shop there, and we talk about metaphysical things. People mm-hmm. can ask questions and um, and tune in and see what it's all off the cuff. We don't plan any of it, so mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. That's on your Facebook page or on your website? That's on Mystic News uh, Facebook page. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, so you can live stream there once a week. What time do you do that? Yeah, uh, Friday at 1 o'clock. Uh, mountain time Fridays mountain time one o'clock right right I'm kind of being repetitive right. be- I'm <laughs> being I'm being repetitive because the internet's still having trouble and you're kind of popping in and out so I'm just kind of repeating it so that all the the listeners will be able to find you as well yeah. um all right so um, I'm sorry go ahead Uh, I was going to say I'm planning a second book and a lot of it will be from my blog. So I've written a lot of things on my blog that um, were experiences that maybe I that didn't get put into my book for whatever reason. They just didn't quite fit in. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, my blog will be my second book, I believe. Oh, great. Um, what was the most profound regression that you ever did for somebody that just may have just shocked you or shook you Mm. to the core or just it's just this one client that you had that just blew you away if there was one wow you know there's been so many that were so powerful you know the the one where i was you know taught they tell her the life i lived that was very powerful um, but there were some people that experienced some horrible things, people that lived through the Spanish Inquisition, things like that, where, um, yeah, they, they just survived horrible things. And But the interesting part is that 
the karma behind it that they've accepted with these things or the pattern, you know, why does somebody not get along with me? What is that problem there? And then you see the past lives and you go, Oh, that makes sense now, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and just, just seeing those things. Um, I've had people that have seen people in their past lives in regression. And then I've taken them actually into the future a little bit and they are going to meet that person in this lifetime. So I've had stories where people have said, you know, I'm going to meet that person that I just saw that I was with, you know, hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's very interesting to see the full circle of the things we we just keep doing and, and meeting people over and over again in different ways. Mm-hmm. Now that you mentioned that, you know, I, I think that you've met your first husband over and over again are there any other people in your life that you've met over and over again? Absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah. My, my mom was in a few past lives with me, my daughter. Um, she was actually granddaughter to my husband, my first husband and I, and yeah, the, it, the list goes on, you know, it's my youngest son, his name is Mark and he, uh, he was the father of my mother in this life and we were together in a past life all of us together um and my sister michelle was my mother in that life so you know it just it just keeps turning over and over that these people show up and you know somebody that was a parent in one life is a brother or a spouse or someone a son in a different life Mm -hmm. and we just keep meeting them over again yeah. giving us new opportunities to to come to terms with relationships. Yeah, it sounds like you're in a soul group that just keeps reincarnating together over and mm-hmm. over again. That's true. I believe we all have the soul group and and that's exactly what we do. We we kind of travel together and journey together to to experience life in all its different capacities and to experience new ways to love each other and new ways to experience life in general. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Deborah, before we wrap it up here, can you give us one last message, something to brighten our day to take with us? (laughs) Um, I think that, we have to realize that we all are connected and that life never ends. Have no fear of death. Enjoy your life. Live it to the fullest. Do the things that you want to do that you're pushed, um, you know, somewhere within to do, whether it's art or music, be creative um, and, and just enjoy your life and don't be afraid. Don't give in to fear because there is no death. There's no such thing as death. There's no such thing as judgment, except we judge ourselves and just enjoy it because really that's what we're here for. We're here to remember who we really are and to find our way back home. Yeah, I think that's a great message. Deborah, thank you thank so you. much. I appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time today. I wish you massive success with your book with your next book and anything else that you get involved with. And even I hope this Friday, you're going to have lots of people there at your, at your live webcast. 
<laughs> I hope so. That would be really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I should mention, too, I also have a CD. I, I've written some music. Oh, okay. It's yeah. called, um, I can actually show you. Sure, yeah. Tell me yeah, about it. Yeah, this is my CD. Um, Love Will Find a Way. Okay. And I have eight songs that I've pretty much channeled these eight songs from Spirit. And mm-hmm. the music kind of came with them. So I had a friend that is in, was in a production, had his own little company. And mm-hmm. he worked with me and I play the guitar a little. And so we sang these songs, uh, mostly me, but I think he chimed in on a couple of them. And he did a lot of background things for it as well. Oh, cool. Um, his name is Josh Derrickson. Is it like on iTunes if we want to go listen to some of the songs? Um, I think it's on iTunes. It is on um, YouTube and it is on Bandcamp. Okay. Do you have a YouTube channel? I do. There's a Deborah Christie Love channel. Mm-hmm. I don't think my CD got put on to my channel though. So mm-hmm. unfortunately. It's just Deborah Christie. If you look up Love Will Find a Way, Deborah Christie. Mm-hmm. And um, it didn't get put on my channel for some reason. I should really look into that. But yeah. <laughs> maybe I didn't have the channel when that came out. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great idea. And you said that you play guitar and you sing on the on the, uh, on the the CD. Yes. Yes. And did you write the lyrics to the songs? Yes. All of them, yes. Yeah. Oh, great. You seem like an artistic person. Would, If that is true, do you think that people should be more involved? And I'm kind of taking it with from your last message here. Do you think mm-hmm. people should be more involved in art and creativity? I, I do, I think. But, you know, it's different for everybody, whatever that looks like for you. I mean, some people it's music and art. Other people, you know, it could be just connecting with nature. It could be organizing things. It could be, you know, whatever it is for you, mm-hmm. um, modeling things, clay, you know, whatever, gardening. Mm-hmm. There's just so many things that, that when we do them, those creative things, they get us in touch with our inner self. And that's where we get inspired information and ideas in our life Mm -hmm. and it's not because um it's like we're kind of tuning out the everyday stuff and when we get into that space our higher self can get through to us Mm -hmm. and that's where we get our messages from yeah i'm glad you pointed that out you know it reminded me of a time one time i was fishing in a river i was alone it was a river i was walking up river and just the in a beautiful river, standing there in the river, you know, you can hear the bubbling by, and, and it was just almost a spiritual experience. <laughs> oh, for sure. Nature yeah. is so healing for us. And fishing is very, I, I used to go fishing when I was really young mm-hmm. with my grandfather, and I loved it. I, I really loved it. And I think it's one of those things that gets you out of your, your own space, you know. Yeah. I also think fishing is a lesson in patience because, you know, a lot of times you're not catching anything. (laughs) You're just, you got to be patient. With patience, you can have anything. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I think it's the unexpected. It's it's going on that adventure and not knowing what's going to happen. Am I going to catch something? Am I not? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter. You're Mm -hmm. out of nature. You're on the water. You know, what could be better? So it really doesn't matter, I don't think. You're still getting outside yourself. You're getting out of your everyday uh, self, and and you're just connecting and communing with the water and the sky and, and the earth. Yeah, yeah. All right, Deborah. Well, I'm going to run. Thank you again for your time, and I wish you a beautiful evening. Thank you. You too. Take right. care.
YouTube. Bye-bye. Bye now.